In today's chat, I was joined by Armo's VP of Marketing and BD, Jonathan Kaftan. I love this conversation as it addresses a few key talking points in the Kubernetes world, security and open source. Jonathan openly admits that if it wasn't for the brilliant decision to open source Kubescape, the company probably wouldn't have enjoyed the success that they have today. And as we now know, DevOps security is becoming a more prominent discussion at the C-suite level. This conversation will open your eyes to Armo, the business. You'll hear how the company made a strategic pivot after going live that made all the difference. And we'll talk about the shift left to developer responsibility. Enjoy. So hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of DevOps for Everyone. Very excited today. Uh, The second time I'm speaking with somebody from Armo in two days. Uh, Today, it's Jonathan, the VP of Marketing and Business Development. So for those that don't know, I'll give a very brief introduction, but uh, I'm not going to do it half as much justice as what Jonathan will. But Armo's tagline is they're bringing the future of developer-driven Kubernetes security today. So Jonathan... Rather than me butchering what your company is all about, would you like to just expand on that? Yeah, sure. Thank you very much, Joe. Happy to be here. Pleasure to talk with you and your, with your audience. So Armo is a Kubernetes security company. Uh, we've been around for, I would say, a couple of years. But um, I think what really you know, changed uh, everything and the fact that the company I work for today is really different than the company I joined at the beginning of 2021 was at that uh, morning at, on August uh, 2021, when I was sitting in front of my computer and suddenly I saw an alert that the NSA and CISA released the Kubernetes uh, hardening guidance to the market. And I pick it up and I say, okay, this is interesting. This is in the area that we are working on in and we need to do something about it. And I talked with the team here at Armo and I said, look, guys, it's an interesting paper. We need to do something with it. And our VPR and event said, you know what? Cool. Let me write uh, an open source tool that will uh, scan your Kubernetes cluster and will tell you how do you stand against that, uh, that uh, framework, that guidance. I said, you know, cool. Let's do that. Uh, and a week after we had uh, this tool out on GitHub, we named it uh, Cubescape. We didn't give it a lot of thought. And said, okay, let's see what will happen. And very surprisingly, this thing became really, really popular. Like in a matter of three, four weeks, thousands of people downloaded and used it. And, and, and we saw the immediate reaction from the market, from the community. And we said, you know what, guys, we, something happened here. Like we got thousands of stars on GitHub and, and, and we said, okay, something happened here, right? It's not just uh, another thing. It could be a, a pivotal moment in, the, uh, in this company life. And we decided to basically change the company and change the way that we do business, change our product, change the, what we want to offer. And, and fast forward 10 months after, and we have tens of thousands of people that uh, already download the, pro, the open source uh, solution and, and use it. We have more than 3,500 people that registered to the SaaS version. Uh, and the reaction that we got from the market was unbelievable. So that, that's basically kind of a brief history of where we started and where we are right now. And so a Kubernetes security company, uh, our mission is very clear. 
we want to build the first end-to-end -end Kubernetes security platform, which is completely open source. Uh, this is what we are working right now, and this is where we are heading. So you've been with the company for 18 months, about there? Yeah, I joined the company in January 2021. So yeah, something like that. When was the company founded? The company is based in Israel. We actually uh, were funded in Jerusalem, the holy city. Uh, yeah. Now we have also uh, an office in Tel Aviv. So we are Israeli based, but we don't only have Israeli uh, people here. We also have people from Ukraine, uh, which is an interesting uh, kind of a thing right these days. Yeah. Uh, we're working with them. We're very proud to have them. We actually recruited more people from Ukraine uh, these days. Brilliant. So now trying to have people, you know, from other places, United States, Europe, India. So we definitely see ourselves as a global company. And how old was the company when you joined? So the company was officially founded in 2019, but it was actually named uh, we had a different name back then, and so I would say that you know this company had kind of two two lives. Uh, so the company that uh, was founded in 2019 is a completely different company than uh, the one that I joined, and it's a completely different company today. So, but officially the company was founded in 2019. I would say the current format of the company, I would say we were founded or refounded uh, in on 2021. Okay, interesting. So. Going back to what you said about being an open source business, how, how important do you think that was to the success you've had up until today? Tremendously. I think that was one of the key, the key, the key factors. So as a Kubernetes security company, you know, at the beginning, we went straight to the C-level, to the CIO, to the CISO of the company and tried to, uh, you know, as, as, as a regular, I would say, B2B uh, enterprise sales company, naturally, we went to the decision maker what we thought back then were the decision makers. And uh, we tried to convince them, you know, to get interest from them. And they liked what we had back then, which is a, what was a different product. It was a more a runtime a security product, which it was very heavy. By the way, we still have it, right? Let me explain in a bit what does it mean, but we had a very security-driven, intrusive type of product. We went to the CISO and said, look, we have a great product that will prevent cyber attacks on your Kubernetes environment. And they said, you know, this is great. This is what we need. But you have to go and talk with the developers and the DevOps team because they are the ones that are going to use this product and they are the ones that are going to use this uh, type of technology. And you have to talk with them. And we went, when, we, when we went to them and talked with them and were trying to convince them to use this runtime product, they said, there is no way that we're going to use it. This is not what we're looking for. We're looking for something completely different, which may be titled as a shift left type of product. We want a simple a solution that will be very easy to use, will be non-intrusive, and will find security issues like misconfiguration, vulnerabilities, and other type of security issues very early in the process that we are going through. And, and what we found out that the, the real decision maker in these type of environments, cloud native, Kubernetes type of environment, are not the C-level necessarily, are the developers, the users, the, the DevOps guys that are actually using the solution. They are the ones that are actually taking the decision. They may not necessarily be the budget owner, but there are definitely the people or the teams or the the personas that will take a decision if this is a solution that they will use. And I think this is comes, this goes 
in a much more broad way. Like I, I, what I'm what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing that the 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 the, the, four, the, the, the power is shifting, especially in IT and 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 uh, you know developer uh, tools, etc. The, the power is shifting from C levels to developers, right? The one that will actually take the decision if to use a tool or a solution will be the developer or the DevOps, depending which area you are. There is no way today that the C-level, and no matter how senior it is, that can force a developer, and it can be the most junior uh, developer, to force him to use a tool that he doesn't want to. It's not going to happen. The other way around, definitely, if a user, if a, if a developer will come to his manager, to his VP or C-level, will say, you know what, I'm using this tool, and it's great. It's saving me a lot of time, saving me a lot of effort, saving me a lot of money, that that C-level will say, you know what, bring me five, bring me 10. You know, the more, the more that I can have, the better. So that type of trend and what happened to us merged into understanding that the real people that we want to need to talk with and the real people that we need to win their heart and mind are the developer, are the type of people. And this is what we're trying to do here. We're building a solution for DevOps and for developers, helping them to become security experts without being security experts. Okay? So we want to give them something that they can use the way they want to use it, in the way they want to consume it, in the way they like and prefer, but helping them to secure an environment which is very hard to secure, to be honest. It's very complex but to make that easy for them and to give them that, that knowledge, that power, that skill set that they need. I think it's uh, that's actually something to come out of KubeCon from probably half a dozen conversations I've had is that the power is shifting left to the developers and the end users rather than the target customers now being C-suite, CISOs, uh, the execs. Although, you know, they have the budget, they sign it off, great, but they rely heavily on the developers and the users for feedback right for user feedback is this worth it are we going to get a return on investment so i think that's going to be a, a much much more common trend that we see over the coming months and years i, I definitely agree and, and you know when when you, when you want to win the hearts and minds of the, the the developer DevOps, you have to work in the way they they prefer it has to be easy simple no touch self-service time to value immediate right if it can be a complex thing that they need to deal with. Uh, should be open source. Open source is, is a way of living, I would say, in many cases, meaning open, transparent, something that they can contribute to, community-driven. Uh, it can be a black box that they don't understand what's happening inside. These people deal with code. These people deal with programming, right? They want to understand what they're using, right? And, and so it has to be in that way. Now, in in some point, you do talk with the buyers. You do talk with the seller. You go to them and tell them, look, guys, your developers are using our product. Now, you can get a much more enterprise-grade solution to answer your, your enterprise needs, right? Scale, support, a, a simple integration, someone that you can talk with, et cetera, et cetera. And that will probably be something that they would prefer to have, maybe even to purchase. A, in, in, in these type or these levels of discussions. 
Yeah, that's a really interesting point of view as well, because, you know, if your target customers change, then your whole sales approach has got to change as well. Because if you've got a CEO who is a commercial business orientated person and their brain works in a commercial way, a developer's brain would probably work completely differently. So they'd respond to different sales approaches, they'd respond to different use cases. So that's an interesting spin, actually. And obviously, a C-suite doesn't really care about open source, whereas an engineer who's a user loves open source. So that's why. I think the company's taken off is what you're saying. Absolutely. The, the, the approach is what we call B2D, business to developer, mm. which in many cases, it's much more similar to B2C, business to consumer, than a B2B. I've been doing B2B marketing and sales all my life, all my professional life. And I feel that today what I'm doing is much more similar to a B2C type of marketing and go to market, meaning that it's not about getting a lead uh, convincing him to leave his contact details in a, a lead form and then converting him and qualifying him into an MQL and SQL and let's show you a demo and let's explain how this product works and then go into a POC and eight months later maybe you have a customer. It's not working this way. It's working completely the opposite, the, the, the other way around. You want someone to come to register or to start using if it's an open source immediately, right? The time from when you capture his interest until he's starting to use the system, minutes, not months, mm. not hours even, minutes. He wants like, you got his attention immediately. He wants to start using it and seeing value. One of the key things that we hear from our users is that one of the things that they like is that from, the, from when they started to use KubeScape until they got value, less than three minutes. And, and I, I actually had a challenge with one of, the, one, of the, uh, one of our potential users at KubeCon. He came to our booth and said, I don't think that you guys can provide me value in three minutes. I thought, let's, let's, let's have a challenge. I have that <laughs> by LinkedIn. I told him, if it's, if it's more than three minutes, beer and dinner on me. Well, someone from Google, actually. And we actually had that on film. Brilliant. Two and a half minutes, he saw, I got value. I saw something that I didn't know. I saw something that now I can use. And that's, I think, super important when, you, when you're dealing with B2D type of approach, instead of months of months of negotiation and, and talk, discussion and meetings and demos, which may be relevant still to other places, but when you deal with developers and DevOps, it completely shouldn't be the, 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 the way any, any longer. So what did you do? Show him a demo? No. He, he actually used the product. Oh, he used it physically, went he in and used it and solved the problem. He physically came, went to the GitHub page, copied the line of code, installed it in his cluster, click run, and he got the first uh, scan result from the NSA showing him where he has misconfiguration in what he needs to do now. Two and a half minutes. You can, you can check it. When that clock was running up to two and a half minutes, was you getting worried, thinking it's going to tick over? <laughs> no, I, I, trust, I trust the product. I know exactly what. <laughs> after thousands of people using it, I, I, I have some confidence that that's okay. <laughs> Brilliant. So we, we covered a, a lot in that introduction from, you know, the introduction of, of Cubescape and yourself, the idea behind it, the um, the customer base. But if we take a step back, Jonathan, um, go back to the 18 months, what, what made you 
someone in your position join a company like Armo? What attracted you? That's a good question. When I joined the company at January 2021, the company was after a seed level investment and a team of 10 and nice, uh, nice, you know, beliefs and vision, etc. I think that what what won me back then was the people. I think I know that it sounds like a cliche. I worked as a PP marketing for three years uh, for a big startup in Israel, cybersecurity. When I joined them, we were 60 people, 70 people. When I left, we were already 200. I had a team of 15 people. Um, and after three years, I, I was looking for something different. Uh, I was looking to join an early stage company. I felt that I would like to, to join a company at the beginning and to really help to shape where this company is heading, to have much more a strategic role, I would say, at the beginning regarding where this company is heading. And I was looking for a team that I can work with, not necessarily work for. And I think that uh, meeting Shauli and the team uh, really kind of convinced me that I'm joining the right people that I can work with, I work for and I work with, I can learn from them, but I can also teach them a lot of the things that I uh, gain in my career. And I had a feeling that it's going to be a successful journey. I had no idea that I will be here uh, uh, 16 or 18 months later with this type of success. By the way, at the beginning, it was very hard until Cubescape came. At the beginning, we had a lot of hard time, right? It was very hard uh, to go to those sea levels and then to go to the DevOps and hear no and no and no uh, time after time. So it was a real struggle at the beginning, but the people, the, the team that I joined uh, made me confident that we're going to make it. And that's what really made me join this team at the beginning. So you have a, an interesting job title, VP of Marketing and Business Development. Do you find that those two naturally go hand in hand anyway in your role? Yeah, absolutely. By the way, it's even sales, right? We don't have a salesperson in the, in the company right now. Oh, okay. We work as a real PLG company. At the beginning, you don't really have sales. So I'm actually also doing the sales. I would say that I'm dealing with all the business aspects, but absolutely. Marketing is not just marketing to users or customers. Marketing is also marketing to partners, a, a third party, a, a, you know, players that you can work with. When you market, you market to the market. You don't market only to users or customers. You market to influencers. So I'm also working with a lot of influencers in this, in this industry. I'm looking always to partnerships and collaboration with other tools, other solutions, other open source projects. I may, I may not lead the technical aspect of it because I don't have that technical background or expertise, but I definitely find where we can collaborate, where we have a story that, you know, that complement each other, that the bigger, that, you know, the better together kind of story. So I definitely think that, and, and, and as a marketing person, the guy that is responsible for the marketing of this company, so I know I, I, I was written it right together with our team, our story, our value, what we're trying to achieve, what is our mission, you know, where we are heading, and then taking that into business activities, which is about partnership, which is about finding new collaborations, etc. I feel I find it naturally fit each other. Yeah, I'm a big believer that they also go hand in hand. You can use marketing as a really effective business development tool 
or you know they can be standalone if you're an outbound sales guy but i think in today's modern world when you're talking about something like open source technology open source products when you're talking about armo kubernetes from my perspective i definitely feel that marketing and, and bd they go hand in hand so it makes sense but it's interesting that you're doing the complete sales yourself so you're doing inbound outbound everything but all, in all my marketing career i'm always trying to be much more involved in sales than i would say the typical marketing persona because i felt that as a marketing person, first of all, if you are dealing with the sales process, or at least to some extent, maybe not closing the deal, but at least opening the doors and, and getting you know, customers, I'm talking about my previous life, getting customers uh, into engaging with your product is very important for you as a marketeer because you get that feedback you know, from, from the field. Are the story, is the story working? Are we able to convince people to start using us? Are we able to uh, uh, make them interest in our product? And second, I think that as a marketing person, I have, I, I have a lot of advantages that, that maybe a typical salesperson doesn't, at least at the beginning of the sales cycle, right? You know, that, in, that the story that we're trying to convey, you know, believing in that story, right? Trying to kind of get, you know, the, uh, that narrative, that, that story out and, and get people interested in what you have to offer, something that a, a marketing person should have. Well, if he's not having that, it, it's a problem. And it, the same goes here. Like if I need now to convince user to come in and start using Cubescape, I feel that I have a lot of advantage here because you know I, I, I am the story. I'm trying to, you know, to be the story that I'm trying to, uh, you know, to, to, to have for this company. And by the way, I'm also doing DevRel activities, which is also an interesting role in, in, uh, in this industry. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a real DevRel, right? Because I'm not definitely not Dev. Maybe I'm a real relationship person, but I'm also dealing with that, like with a lot of help from the team, like when, when I need the technical people to join. But definitely when it comes to working with influencers, you know, working with communities, you know, managing our Discord channel. So that also comes right now under my uh, my responsibility, and I'm looking for a real professional full-time dev role for this company. So I definitely understand that I cannot do this role any longer because we need we need to scale and we need to become more professional. So I think that my role here is very diverse. It's very broad. I'm handling a lot of things, like someone in a small company should, right? I don't think it's very different than any other marketing person that works for a 10, 20, 30 people company. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the best thing about startups, isn't it? Is that you get to experience different aspects of the role rather than just be siloed and pigeonholed into to one stream. That's definitely the, the benefit that I feel. So you touched on something there in terms of, you know, scaling the company. Um, so we've already covered the, the kind of history behind Cubescape and a bit of an introduction, but you're looking to scale now. But how have you got to this point? We've talked about how you obtained customers, and we'll go into a bit more detail on that in the moment. But how have you managed to attract people in this market? Because it, it's quite a competitive and difficult market to find the talent, right? Yes, I agree. And it's an interesting story. You know, a lot of the a lot of the growth actually came organically. When we uh, released Cubescape to the market in the first week, I didn't really do like you know I did post on LinkedIn on Twitter. We didn't have a lot of followers back then, but the, the, the organic work and the network effect was amazing. Like in, in, in 
three to four weeks, we had thousands of stars and already hundreds or thousands of people using the product. And what, what I found very interesting that in a PLG, product led growth, the product is actually leading the growth, right? If you have the right product at the right time, and that back then it was the NSA and CISA guidance, uh, guide, uh, hardening guidance, they released to the market a, report, a, a paper, which was very important. And people were looking for ways to test if they meet that guidance. And we were there. We were there with a tool that was free. It was open source and it provided immediate value. They didn't, it's, it's really zero effort to understand where you are. And, you know, it wasn't a marketing effort, to be honest. We had the right tool, the right product in the right place at the right time. So the initial growth, the initial enthusiasm, the initial kind of, you know, really was a product-led thing. Then, of course, we started to scale. And then, you know, marketing, no, marketing, you have to work with something. And we had that something. So then we started to work, you know, with, with, we went to and approach relevant influencers, people in this industry that have a lot of followers, a lot of, a lot of people that are listening to them. They post blogs and, and, and videos and YouTube kind of, you know, guide, uh, uh, guidelines, etc. And we went to them and say, look, guys, we have here QScape. This is what it does. Maybe you would like to cover it. Maybe you would like to mention it. And they say, yeah, you know what? It's great. And, and so the influence award was very, very helpful. Uh, and still is, by the way, we still, a lot of our effort is going with influencers uh, to spread the word and kind of explaining how Cubescape can help developers and DevOps in their daily day. So that was another uh, major effort and major focus from our side. Of course, we did campaigns and on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Reddit, a lot of content. And we, we put a lot of focus on creating content and blogs that are really, really kind of focus and, and on Kubernetes on not just by the way, Kubernetes security, but Kubernetes in general. So we do a lot of content uh, work here that attract people that are looking for information and for data and for knowledge. And I think that another thing that really uh, helped us is again, uh, finding moments uh, that you can use in order to spread the word. And in our case, uh, one of the things that Cubescape does is vulnerability scanning, right? You can use Cubescape to find uh, vulnerabilities like CVEs that may that may uh, that that you may, may you may have in your environment and you'd like to find out. So what we did and we still do, and we are very proud of that, that every time there is a new CV that is being published, we are one of the first to have a solution in the market that helps you to understand if you have that specific CV. And I'm talking about matter of hours. Since it was published until Cubescape already have a control or a test that you can run and learn and, to, and find if you have that CV and what you need to do about it. And, and, and being first, being dedicated and committed to being first is really helping us to spread the word because when someone has, you know, he's hearing about that specific CV that is out and he wants to find out, he is going in doing Google or any other search, we will be there. We will be there with a solution, with a test that can really help them for free. And that's also really helping us to spread the word and to get to the right people. 
And of course, there are other marketing tactics that you are using. You know, you're doing campaigns, ads, Google search, you know, all that. But I think these are the, the main things that, that really help us to scale in a relatively very short time frame. It's really interesting to be able to mix all of that together, to be able to have the right product at the right time is obviously Correct. box number one. But then once people find you and you start to come up in searches, you need to have the product to be able to back it up, right? Because if people are attracted to you, but then the product is second rate, they won't stick around. So you've managed to combine everything all in one in one pot and then be able to scale and get the company to a huge customer base with very, very lean uh, employee count from the looks of it through LinkedIn, which is you know very highly impressive in this market because Kubernetes security is on everybody's lips at the moment when you're talking about cloud native and security. So to be one of the companies standing out and leading in that market, I think is quite impressive. Yeah, you're definitely right. I think one of the good things that we're doing is that we, we listen to our users very, very carefully. You, you already had a session with Amir. Hmm. Amir is basically talking with almost every customer, every user uh, that accepts uh, uh, a meeting with him. And, 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 and we do that, you know, with being customer obsessed or user obsessed is, is a very important thing. And we try kind of, you know, to hear what our user has to say, what they, why they like, what they don't like, and to quickly change what needs to be changed and add what needs to be added. I think that's a very, very important point in order to, keep, to maintain that stickiness in the product. Like it's one thing to bring users, it's one thing to make them active. It's another thing to keep them, keep them in the product, right? Because as you said, there are a lot of companies out there that provide some sort of a Kubernetes security solution. There are a lot of competition, there are a lot of different tools and the entry barrier is very, very low. It's pretty simple to decide to use Kubescape and then the other day to go to a, a different tool. It doesn't require a lot of work or doesn't require a lot of effort. So it's a battle that you need to win every day. A battle in a good way, right? You need to understand what our users are looking for and to make sure they get it every day. If not, they will just move on and to go to, they will go to another tool on the, in the market. So you said that, you know, obviously you told us where the offices are and you said you've got Ukrainian developers, which you're very proud of as well. Do you employ people internationally or only locally? Absolutely. We have a team here in Israel. And I said, we already also have a team in Ukraine and now in Poland. And we are now looking for people like, as I mentioned, a DevRel, developer relationship, a head of developer relationship, probably will come from outside of Israel, as I see it right now. And, 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 and yeah, absolutely. We see ourselves as a global uh, company. And so, you know, where you are is not really, it doesn't really matter, right? It's more important yeah. about, you know, who you are, what is the kind of talent you have, what is your passion? Uh, and if you're, you know, the right person to work in a company like ours. And yeah. we, are, we have now openings in almost every team, every department in the company is now we're looking, we're looking for people to join us. I think that's the way to do it. So earlier on in the conversation, Jonathan, you mentioned about changing the target customers. Was that what you meant when we spoke offline about the strategic pivot after the business had launched or was there something else? No, that, that, so, so the thing is that, you know, luck and brain, I would say, right? The, 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 luck, the lucky thing here was that the NSA released the, 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 this report and we were agile and quick enough to have something out that will do that. 
But that came with this understanding that we need to change the people we talk with at this moment. Don't get me wrong. We are talking with C-level. We are talking with CIO. We are talking with CISOs. And, and, and probably we'll talk with them more in the, in the, in the near future. We will get into you know, purchasing and procurement. Or it's not that we are neglecting that part. But this understanding that the most important person that we need to win first, that we need to convince first, is the end user, is the person that is going to use this system day to day. He is the most important person that we need to have with us first. That came along with that NSA uh, uh, report that came out. So I think we, we were there with this understanding of the market change and the market shift. All we needed was that compelling event to happen. And when it happened, we were ready. That's, I think, what I'm really trying to watch. So, you know, a smart person once said, uh, not, not about the, the, a company that I used to work with, he said, we had the luck to have the rope in our hand, but the brain to pull it. So I think that that's exactly where we were. We had the, the luck to have this NSA out, but we had the brain to pull it, and we were ready. We were ready with our, the knowledge and skill set and the people we had in the company, and also with the understanding that we need to change the way that we, uh, you know, the way that we go to market, basically. Yeah. One thing that I'd be interested in, and again, this is something we spoke about offline. Um, and just to remind us, which stage of funding is the business at right now? We closed an A uh, series. Uh, we announced it uh, about two months ago. It was a $30 million investment from uh, Tiger Global. Uh, Hyperwide, which is a local VC here in Israel, and also our previous seed level investor, which one of them is, uh, is uh, Itango, which is another local VC here in Israel, and also uh, uh, Ventures, which uh, is it's our chairman. So we had our previous uh, investors and new ones that joined the company. So the amount of money being invested at seed, series A, series B into the Kubernetes market is increasing, not just yearly, but monthly, you know, in security, cost optimization, um, user experience, you name it. But one thing that you mentioned to me was that you didn't just show investors what you've done before, which was already impressive, but you actually sold them on your vision. And that you said helped secure funding. So do you want to just tell us a bit about that? Because that's quite interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, the success, you know, that we had and, and the amount of users in a very short time frame, that definitely opened the door and, and an investor was willing to talk with us. That's kind of, okay. Now tell us what you want to do with the money, right? That we're going to give you. So the success opened the door. They make, it makes you, it makes them talk with you. Now you need to convince them that the, the money that they're going to give you, they're going, you're going to use it to do something significant. Right. The, 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 the important word here to do something significant, to show them how you're going to disrupt a market. And what we what we found and that, what, that's what we told them, that's what we're basically telling to the market. There is today a gap when it comes to Kubernetes security. And that gap is where we are getting into. And what is this gap? Today, if I am a DevOps person and I want to have a security solution that for all my security needs in Kubernetes, from configuration up to runtime, from development to production. I have two, basically two options. One option is to go and collect a lot of open source tools that are doing one job 
only. Maybe they do it very well, but they do only one job very well. They are limited. They are, uh, 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 I wouldn't call them small, but they're limited in what they do. And, 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 and then you need to bring them together. You need to integrate them into a solution. You need to put control and monitoring. And, and there are a lot of work that, you know, to make this whole thing work together, right? There's a lot of work that is, that is needed. There are a lot of kind of effort and you need to, to have a lot of skill set to do so. Now, some developers and DevOps, they like it. That's what they do and, and they love it and they continue to do that. But a lot of them don't have either the time, the bandwidth or the skill set to do so. So they are forced to go to security vendors uh, that will sell them a commercial solution, a closed solution, right? Now they may they may have free tier and then a pay tier, which is fine, but it's not open source, it's closed, they don't have any transparency, they cannot contribute or influence, etc. And that's not what they like. And that gap between a lot of open source tools that need to work together in, in a commercial solution is where we fit in. And we said we are going to be the first company that is going to build, and we're already building it, right? The first end-to-end -end Kubernetes security platform, which is completely 100% open source. And that's what they saw as an opportunity. Uh, and that's why they decided to give us the money in order to fulfill that, that mission and vision that we have. I would call that significant. <laughs> Definitely. So, Jonathan, that's the present. We also spoke about the past in terms of the history, um, the idea behind it, how you scaled. So a good place to leave this conversation would be the future. So what's next for Armo? To build that end-to-end uh, -end platform. That's what we want to do. We want uh, Cubescape to be a, a household name in for every developer, DevOps, Devo, uh, Kubernetes user, Kubernetes admin, that is dealing with Kubernetes, that is worried and concerned about security. We want to be there. We want to be there for him. We want him to use the technology that we are uh, building, the solution that we are building for him. We want to be the first choice for them. Uh, and that's that's what we're trying to do here, basically. Brilliant. And basically from start to finish, from 2019 to the second birth in 2021 up until today. I think you've had a fantastic journey. I'm so happy that you agreed to come on today. So I wish you all the best of everything. And one final comment, if people want to reach out to you or the business as a customer or maybe a new employee, how is best to get hold of you? In any channel possible, Twitter, LinkedIn, contact form on the website. I'm available 24 seven, just ping me and I will gladly answer and answer any question that you may have. Perfect. Well, Jonathan, thanks so much once again, and also for arranging the call uh, with Amy yesterday. For those that haven't seen that, there's a real cool demo on the product. So go over to DevOps for Everyone YouTube and have a look at that. But thank you very much, Jonathan. Thank you, Joe. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me here. No problem at all. Stay well. Bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.